All right, and welcome to the Antique Auction Forum podcast. I am uh, I'm really glad we have our guest. Uh, he was actually I visited him years ago in uh, San Jose at the eBay campus, and it's their dean of education, Griff. Now people may know him from eBay as Uncle Griff, I think uh, James Griff Griffith. Um, he is the eBay seller, coach, instructor, mentor, advocate um, with eBay uh, North America Marketplace team. In addition, he's an author of the official eBay Bible. We'll talk about that a little bit. And that's the authoritative eBay guide for the beginning bidder, seller, professional, entrepreneur, as well as the host of he has a eBay radio, which you can tune into. All right. Welcome to the show. Good to have you Thanks, back. Mark. Good that's- to be back. It's been a long time. And Years. Yeah, I know. They flow by. <laughs> they, they, they really have. And a lot has changed um, in the world, actually. I mean, look at what has changed since we last talked. I mean, cell phones now, people can bid on their, on their cell phones, you know, smartphones. Um, let's see, social media, I wanted to talk about that because I just noticed, what is it, 10 million uh, likes on the Facebook page on, on uh, eBay. First of all, I don't know if you even know that, but it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's the eBay main page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I also want to talk what how has eBay evolved? Um, not necessarily from the beginning, because we kind of went over that. I know the show is really, really old. It started out sort of as an auction site, started out in a garage, too, right? Uh, in a condo. In a condo. <laughs> yeah, in Pierre's condo here in Campbell, uh, which is a part of San Jose Incorporate. Uh, back in 1996. 96. 95. Sorry, 95. 95. Wow. And I would, you, I, I guess I, I'm an early eBay user because I started in 1998, which is kind of early, right? That's it. That is early, yes. Yeah. Back when it was absolutely horrible to list something. You had to upload your pictures elsewhere, and it was just really, really difficult. It took me maybe a half hour to list something on eBay, and I just listed something in like five or less minutes the other day. You know, I mean, it's so user-friendly back then. Has that been a goal right from the beginning to, to make the site user-friendly? Yeah, and for both buying and selling, uh, they're, they're separate initiatives, but they are tied together. And, uh, you know, the challenge for eBay is it started out as a marketplace where anyone could sell anything to anybody. Uh, and that was extremely appealing. It was a, a kind of a soft middle man platform uh, that that broke the traditional barriers of location so that it didn't matter where you were, you could offer things to basically the world if you had an internet connection. Uh, the challenge for us um, since then is adapting to buyer expectations as the internet has matured and online shopping has become more of a, uh, it's just a given, everyone does it. Back then it were the, the, the pioneers were the people who bought and sold, and they would put up with a lot of built-in inefficiencies, like, for example, having to take 30 minutes or more just to list one item. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as those expectations have changed and the Internet and technology itself has changed, we've been able to pare that down to a much easier experience on the seller end. Right. Now, I, I noticed today, like, for instance, I'm buying a couple things for my boat, and I'll just go, go into Google – and I'll I'll type like I need a, a transom light, you know, a tra- transom light. Um, 
I type into Google, and what comes up, it's either Amazon or eBay. And I, I know I'm going to buy from one of those. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it's turned into a marketplace, a lot of a marketplace, that's kind of competing head-to-head with Amazon. Am I, am I right about that? Well, yes and no. I mean, of course, uh, all online marketplaces and retailers compete against each other now. I mean, in the past, you'd have to walk into a physical location, check out the prices, jot them down, get back in your car, drive to another location. Not very efficient. But now with something like Google Shopping, uh, uh, most everything online, if it, if it qualifies for Google's uh, shopping feed, uh, will be presented in one, uh, one page. So you'll see separate retailers, separate websites, you'll see different marketplaces, and you'll see, uh, for example, Amazon and eBay being those marketplaces. And it's a great tool for buyers because that way buyers can find the best price regardless of a marketplace. And to be honest with you, as much as I want people to shop on eBay, I most want people to buy the best deal they can find. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, it's, uh, it's been a great um, a tool for buyers to get the best value. And it's not just – when I say value, it's not just, for example, the price, but um, how fast am I going to get the item? What guarantees are there? These are all the, uh, the factors that a buyer uses for determining a final um, value that is going to compel them to either purchase or not from a, a particular vendor or marketplace. Uh, I, you know, as an example, I, if, I, if I don't need an item right away uh, – I'm willing to pay less for it if it's going to take a month to get here. But if I need an item really fast, like I need to replace maybe my webcam uh, and I need it for like in three days, I'll pay a premium to get it that fast. Um, I'll balance that out. If I can if I can actually get in my car and drive to a store and get a better deal, I might do that. So the online re- the merchant who's selling on any marketplace has to keep all of those considerations uh, in play when they price and present their items, regardless of where it is. Right. Now, was the hardest part, I know you were the very first customer service representative of eBay um, back in 96. Am I, when did you start? No, yeah, November of 96. <laughs> um, I was a younger man. What happened? <laughs> but, um, but wouldn't you say that trust was the hardest thing to build, uh, to build the site? Trust on like both sides, right? Yeah, it's it, it's it's been an ongoing challenge because as a as a marketplace that doesn't hold inventory like other marketplaces, uh, which shall be nameless, Amazon. Um, there's we we have to take it on trust that the seller is shipping the item and the buyer is actually paying for it and not you know that everything is above board. Now Pierre's original um, concept that people are basically good still holds true today. But regardless of the fact that the majority of people are basically good, all it takes is, you know, an experience, one experience with a bad seller, and you may be soured on that marketplace. So, yeah, trust is uh, starting from the very beginning, but then it it really became uh, uh, a sort of a top line uh, uh, topic for eBay back in 2007. Um, A lot has happened since then. But what we now offer buyers who shop on the site is an eBay money-back guarantee. So if something goes wrong with the sale, you don't get the item, the seller won't address your issues, uh, we'll cover it. Oh, I and, didn't realize uh, it was actually eBay covering it. Yeah. It's actually Well, depending on the circumstances, <laughs> we cover it, and we may recoup from the seller or the merchant, depending on the circumstances. So there are, there are instances where it's a no-fault uh, so, you know, the seller the seller shipped the item, for example. A scan shows it was uh, shipped, but it was never delivered. Uh, 
we can't hold the seller responsible for that, but we'll uh, we'll um, or if it was damaged in transit, uh, we will in those cases um, issue a full money back uh, to the buyer, and it's either out of eBay's pocket or we may recoup from the seller depending on the circumstances. All right, I'm going to. That's, t- that, that's been a great. That's been that really went a long way to dispelling the issue, the notion that eBay was an unsafe place to purchase because it actually is. And allowed us the space after we, you know, solved that major issue to then move on to issues like finding items as fast as possible. There's a, there's about a billion plus items on eBay wow. right now. That was one of my questions. Holy oh. mackerel. Wow. wow. Now, yeah. last time wow. you and I talked, I think it was in the hundreds of millions. Yeah. It may yeah, maybe around five hundred million, maybe half a billion. But it's there's over there's just about just a little bit more than a billion items on the site at any given time, and that's constantly growing. That's amazing. And what about um, what about other countries? Is that are you actually growing into other countries still today? Yeah, the growth rates in various countries um, vary, but the growth is still there. Uh, we were pretty well established um, over time in, in markets in Europe and the UK. Uh, Asia still offers. Um, great opportunity and as well as South America and uh, even eventually Africa. So there's still um, areas for expansion of any marketplace who has a global platform into areas of the world uh, where maybe right now there's not a lot of online shopping. Uh, you know, India is a huge player in the market now with um, with their burgeoning middle class and uh, even Russia. Russia has a burgeoning middle class. They like to shop yeah. on eBay. So now, is there? I, I I've been to Russia a number of times lately in the last few years, and I noticed some geo blocking on certain sites like Netflix, for instance. Um, is there? I mean, certain shows on Netflix. It's really bizarre. Um, is e does eBay have to deal with any geo blocking from one country to another? Not really. Um, so what we'll do is we'll set policies. The only reason that a country, a country might want to block um, eBay or specific eBay listings is because the actual content or the item for sale might not be legal in that country. Uh, but we pretty much uh, t- take care of that with uh, um, our policies cover all types. Uh, you know, they're not they're, they're for the entire site. So, for example. Um, except for some minor things, which we take care of with shipping, uh, there's very little that you can list legally on eBay uh, within policy that can't be sold around the world. Uh, but there are some things you can't. So, for example, ivory, you can't list it on eBay. Right. Um, endangered species, there are some, uh, and I can't think off the top of my head right at the moment, there's some specific types of products where we found it just as easy to just say, look, those are prohibited because uh, it becomes a nightmare if you're trying to ship them globally. There is one interesting one uh, which uh, only impacts our global shipping program. If you're shipping uh, to Italy on your own, you can ship a pair of shoes there and take a chance that customs will let them through. But the custom laws in Italy, uh, from what I believe, uh, is that you can't ship shoes in Italy, leather shoes. Really? How about and, that? You know, well, if you've ever spent time in Italy, they're yeah. real particular about their shoes. Yeah, they're good so, shoes, too. Yeah, um, uh, what would you say is the strangest thing someone tried to list on eBay? Oh. That I mean, I, I went to an auction where there's a shrunken head one time. I mean, has yeah, anybody— Yeah, that wouldn't be allowed. Yeah. <laughs> it's but a I mean, body part. So you can't sell body parts. We that, that was That's good the, to know. <laughs> and um, I'm pretty sure a shrunken head is a body part. Yeah. <laughs> or it used to be, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But, I mean, do people try, attempt to sell, like, banned items and they get kicked out? Well, no. So what ha- what happens today, back in the in the uh, in the heyday of, you know, the uh, the auction site when it was primarily auctions, uh, people used it as a platform for grabbing attention by selling things like their soul or their ghost or their kidney. Um, but that's kind of that's fallen by the wayside as, as eBay has matured our seller um seller base has matured as well so you don't see much of that if any anymore and it's probably just for the better yeah but sometimes somebody might list something uh we have filters in place that if you try to list something that's uh, prohibited on the site the filters in 99 percent of the time will catch it and either block it or give you a warning uh, i think the biggest issue now is not so much those um attention grabbing unusual things uh, we still have issues with copyright. So, um, you know, the way that the law is written in the United States, that's uh, the Digital Millennial Copyright Act from 1996 or 8. I can't remember now. Uh, if a rights holder sees something on a site like eBay, Amazon, anywhere that they believe infringes upon their property rights, they, dem- they can issue a, a takedown demand of that site and the site has no um, recourse, but to take the item down, delete it entirely from the site, and that's what eBay does. Uh, any any site will do that, and a lot of our sellers are um, sometimes new time uh, new sellers are not familiar with this process, and they get very upset with eBay and say eBay is trying to ruin my business, and you know this was definitely not fake, and and we say look, it's I have a whole explanation that I send to sellers who email me about this and say, hey, it, look, it's not us. We're we're bound by the federal law. And uh, or else we'll be in trouble. And if a rights owner tells us that they we have to take something down, we don't get to negotiate. We don't get to act on behalf of the seller. We can't say, well, prove it. The law says immediate takedown. And that's what we do. And it, it really gets some people angry. But unfortunately, that's the law. And if you don't like the law, talk to your congressman or woman. Tell yeah, me yeah. What it's- uh, now, um, when something is on eBay and it slips through the filters, Does it, is there a way to flag something like that? Like to say if I went on eBay and I saw a body part that was listed wrong or something. Yeah, the, every list, every listing has a little link that says "report this item." I see. Yeah, I, I should have known that. Um, and body parts would get reported really quick. <laughs> I'm sure there'd be would. multiple reports. Yeah, that. yeah. Now I got I got to tell you of a situation that happened uh, a number of years ago in the beginning of eBay. Uh, myself, it wasn't my idea, but someone, another art dealer, an antique dealer, told me. He said, "Hey, look, I got some advice for you." He said, "Go if there's an artist you like or collect or looking for, go in and search on eBay and misspell his name, right?" Mm. So I was. This was before the spell check was up and all that on on eBay. Long before that, so I actually found a painting doing that. It was a lot, of, but there was one artist um, that I really liked, and it ended up being a really valuable painting. So I ended up buying it at a really good price, and then someone contacted the seller, and she canceled the sale. <laughs> Um, and I was really upset about that. I caused I caused a little bit of trouble, but um, nothing really happened. Do things like that still happen today? I mean, do you hear I'm, about things would, like that? I wouldn't be surprised, but I haven't heard of anything like that happening in years. Mm-hmm. Um, most sellers, I think, are, are more careful now about uh, the way they spell something, um, especially an artist name. Yeah, there are still instances. Um, I can give you an example right off because I, I spend a lot of time buying clothing on the site. I also sell uh, clothing, 
but if you go search for Van Heusen and you spell Heusen with a H-U-E and H-E-U, be surprised how many show up with the wrong spelling. H-U-E is wrong, yeah. and uh, but people still use it. Now, in certain cases where there are known misspellings, we can uh, we we have the power now uh, to tie it uh, back and say, you know, did you mean this? And then show the items with the correct spelling. So, wow, yeah. As we move away from keyword search being, uh, you know, the single most important component on eBay for finding items, uh, this becomes less and less of a problem. Now, for things that are one of a kind, like art or antiques or collectibles, keywords are always, always going to matter. But anything that's identifiable with a product identifier, which would be a barcode, a UPC number, an ISBN number, we're in the process, this has been going on for a couple of years now, building out the eBay catalog or database. And those are more important points than the actual title keywords. Wow. Speaking of that, I know this is a little far-fetched, but how about image recognition? Has that ever been discussed at eBay like if someone it's doesn't already in play, Martin, are you not paying attention? <laughs> Is we it already really? have it. You yeah. have it on eBay? Yeah. So uh, about a half a year ago, we announced this initiative where um, we now have image search. And it's I think it's available only on mobile phones. But if you go on the mobile app and you run a search, there's a and depending on which type of app you're running on which phone, there's a little um, thing that you can use. You can you can take a picture of an item. And then eBay will search for similar um, list, uh, images and bring up those listings. Uh, for some things, uh, you know, in its first day, it's a, it's a, it's a self-learning algorithm like a lot of um, AI today. Uh, you know, you'd get some not-so-great results, but over time, it's actually been improving. Uh, I, I was in a store about a month ago, and I saw a pair of shoes that I liked, and I, I took a picture of them. I made sure it wasn't too busy, and eBay brought up all the examples of those shoes. So, um, yeah, image, image recognition is a big component in search right now at eBay, and it, it, it'll be more so as time goes on. Wow, that's amazing. And it makes me, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask late in this interview, but since we're on it, will AI be more of, uh, of eBay? As, and what, what could the evolution of eBay possibly be? Well, I... I it's always speculation about what the future holds, and I wouldn't want to make any forward-looking statements because our our investor relations team would take me to task for that. But, <laughs> yeah, AI is a big component uh, for search primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there are two components. This, the component for search so that buyers can find what they're looking for, not only fast and easy, but based on the way they like to search, involves artificial intelligence and machine learning. And uh, eBay is not the only one, although we, we take pride in, in the challenge that we face because not all of our merchandise can be uh, arrayed in a database like a catalog. You know, Amazon, for example, 99.9% of all their merchandise is catalogable to begin with. So it's much easier to find, uh, in some cases, what you're looking for historically there. We need to meet that challenge and then uh, at the same time uh, make sure that we're not leaving behind what the merchandise that makes eBay special, which is that one-of-a-kind uh, uh, merchandise that big sites find really hard to have to, sh- to serve up so they, they kind of not go after it. So you can take a picture of a, um, of a painting and eBay can show you uh, examples that are similar to that, and that might be an effective way besides just keyword search of finding the item itself. And that'll improve over time. On the seller end, um, our sellers, uh, understandably so, whether you're experienced or brand new, need some guidance when they list an item. For example, price. And price guidance uh, based on AI is, is, an, uh, is a thing at eBay that we're developing right now, and, and it actually is in play. 
uh, especially for catalogable items, but also for unique items, uh, so that sellers, when they're listing an item, get a better idea of what they should expect currently for a market price, and they can then price their items accordingly. Because there's nothing more discouraging than putting an item at too high a price or maybe putting it at too low a price and then finding out afterwards you could have got a lot more money for it. So I remember years ago a um, a friend of mine listed something like 400 uh, Royal Dalton mugs, um, yeah. you know, one at a time. And he the thing back then, this is, I would say, probably back in 99 or 2000, something like that. The, the deal was then he listed them all starting at like 29 cents a piece and let all the tons of bids come in. And they did. They came in and they all sold for what, for what happens. Now, I, I've tried that lately, like a really low starting bid on eBay on something. And it bombed. It can, yeah. <laughs> and so well, it's market, a bit, it's more of a risk, I think, now. It is, today it is definitely more of a risk because the, the marketplace for antiques has changed a lot. I'm yeah. sure you, you, you know this. I don't yeah. have, I'm not telling you something you don't know. But, um, you know, the best of the best is still bringing good prices. But yeah. a lot of stuff is not selling for what it used to. Uh, we find that um, collectors, for example, who have been collecting all their lives and are now entering their, you know, twilight years – slouching slowly towards enfeeblement and they want to be able to give the stuff to their kids kids don't want the stuff anymore That's right so the marketplace yeah. gets flooded with you know medium grade uh um antiques and collectibles and this is depressed prices so where I, you know like uh i remember back in the in the 70s in the heyday of the antiques business when i started out as a young man uh you know a, a country four drawer chest of drawers and painted pine you know maybe just varnished could bring a premium at auction thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. you're lucky if it brings 500 bucks today that's right yeah. so it, uh in many ways this is it, it may be bad for some sellers but it's if you're looking to cl- uh, uh to collect it's pro- probably a buyer's market right now because every market eventually over time comes back or goes up. But yeah. this is one of the um, one of the results of the uh, the that happens when you make a marketplace more efficient is it cuts out a lot of middlemen and then that ends up bringing prices down. And that we saw this immediately with the internet and eBay back in the uh, late nineties. Uh, a lot of things that for decades had been considered very valuable suddenly we realized there was a lot more of these available at any one given time. We'll talk about Roseville. Roseville being a great example, and yes. and Hummels, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but not. I never liked Hummels myself, but I hope I, I don't offend anyone out there. But oh, I, yeah, I, let me speak for you. I hate Hummels, and I have a, I have a reputation of smashing them. I have a pink hammer, <laughs> and I've done this at events where someone I take out a Hummel and I smash it, and the audience, especially the older women in the audience, go they faint. And I said, "Don't worry, I'm not going to smash yours, but now yours are more valuable." Oh my I've god! Lowered, I've just restricted the market. That is really funny. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, and here's here's the other thing that eBay has changed a little bit. And I find this from when I speak to, you know, uh, people that I've collected for a long time. They have a story with every item. We got in our car. We drove 50 miles. We looked in, and we found this, uh, on you know, on a little estate sale on the side of the road. And they have their stories. And, and, and any online buying of any antique, so to speak, um, it kind of loses that. You know that's that's gone with a click now. Yeah, um, and I don't know if that's a bad. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Well, yeah. Well, you're sitting on that side. <laughs> well, and the reason I say this is our research shows that buyers, unless your story is really compelling and easy to digest, buyers aren't reading it. 
So sellers will tell you this. They'll say, buyers don't read, buyers don't read, and then they'll put 3,000 paragraphs in their listing. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to read it. So if you can make it in a few sentences, if you can sum it up, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, you know, I, I know from my book writing days that it's always possible to take a paragraph and reduce it to a sentence if you're really creative, and you still get the same point across uh, in, in what matters to the buyer. If, it, if it's provenance and they want some example of provenance, being able to show that in a way that's easily read and scanned and remembered, that's a good thing. But a paragraph-long story, in the early days of eBay, people really found those entertaining. Uh, that that day is over, really, and it's you really got to be brief, concise, and comprehensive about your descriptions or your buyer may – May probably not read it, but also may end up skipping over information that really is important because yeah. they think, oh, I'm not going to read all this. Yeah. Well, you know, the rarity, condition, those are the yeah. things, um, you know, that, that really matter the most. Um, what would you say that was eBay's best choice in, in change in policy? Um, and that could be from anything from introducing a new type of thing. eBay Motors, for instance. That must have been really big. Was yeah, that-, that was a big thing. In fact, even Pierre thought, well, this won't work. Who's uh-huh. going to buy cars on the Internet? Of I, course he was- I, I remember how, I think you told me this, that someone tried to list a toy Mustang and then someone, or a real Mustang and they they couldn't understand how to list it as toy or, or not a toy and that's how that created or did someone else tell me that story? I don't remember. I think you may have heard that somewhere else. I don't yeah. remember that particular story. I remember that someone did list a car on eBay and Pierre looked at the listing and said, well, how this, this isn't going to work, but it did. Yeah. If I had to think about the single most important thing, and there's so many, um, I would have to say the – and it was probably inevitable, but I would say the introduction of a, of a fixed-price format. Uh, there's a lot of um, – there's always uh, – there, there, at the time and even today, there still is controversy about, well, you know, I only use auctions or, you know, I, I don't, I'll never use fixed-price and uh, I, that's always amazed me that people aren't willing to consider another format because even in the uh, in the antiques business, if you're a smart dealer, you go to a show, you don't auction the item off. You put a price on it and you may negotiate it down. So the fixed price with the best offer option, I think, was one of the smarter things we've ever done. In particular, uh, and specifically for those items where historically that's how they would sell. Uh, the, as you know, the problem with uh, or the risk with using an auction format is if it's not highly desirable, uh, your chance of getting that price bid up in a bidding war is um, less likely. And um, sometimes we may overvalue our own antiques or collectibles because, you know, they mean a lot to us. Mm-hmm. And that can be a big disappointment. So understanding value and then using the right format is critical to success on eBay. I'm always surprised that people sell used clothing, and they put it up for auction. Unless this is a rare piece of clothing, who wants to? And number one, who's going to pay a lot? And we also know from buyer research that, you know, for example, in the early days of eBay, lots of um, antique buyers and sellers used the site, and they were they were comfortable with that format. The vast majority of buyers in the world are not comfortable buying at auction. They want to find something, they want to see the price, and they want to purchase it. They don't want to put a bid and then wait to see if they get outbid and think, oh, do I have to bid more? It becomes more of anxiety than you know uh, just purchasing something. So using that format is important, uh, but I think probably the introduction of the buy, buy it now format was uh, 
was a was a was a big one. I, what I rate it as the most important. That's hard because there's so yeah. many things that were done on eBay, uh, but that's a big one. Wow, I I understand for the person who has like a rare collectible, and they say, well, I don't know where to price this at. And boy, what happens if I underprice it? Or what happens, like you said earlier, what happens if I overprice it? No one will bid. Um, there is that sweet spot that they're trying to find, right. and uh, auction is really good for that. I mean, if, on a like you said, the rare items get bid on. Yeah. Um, is that like the the concern? Of, mostly, is that people just don't know where to price something? Is that why they still go to auction? The auction I think method? so. I, I think in the lack of price guidance for some of our categories, uh, people say, "Well, I'll just you know put it up for auction, and fingers crossed it'll bring a lot of money." And uh, that, you know, for some some sellers on eBay, it really works. There are some sellers who understand value or under, not so much they understand value, but they understand intuitively that what they're looking at when they're putting something up, uh, this will do okay at auction if I started at $10. My experience shows that um, I stand a good chance of making profit on this. But if you're just a, you know, a, what we call a consumer seller, you're not really in the business, you don't really have a lot of experience selling on or off eBay or with a particular category like antiques, then the safe thing for a lot of people is they say, well, I'll just put it up at auction. The risk is that if you put up, you know, I, you know, this happens occasionally, somebody will put up something for 99 cents and it doesn't sell for more than that. And then they go, wait a minute. Cost you $10 to ship it. <laughs> Right. What am I going to do now? Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 up to us to be able to provide better guidance, especially to those new sellers, so that they continue listing the merchandise on eBay that they bring, which is a really important component of eBay. Those occasional or small sellers bring the type of, of merchandise that isn't available anywhere else. You can't list it on Amazon. So it's a big component of eBay's uh, DNA, and we want to make sure we maintain it. So it's a challenge for us, but I'm sure we can meet it. You know, it's a... Getting back to this buy it now or auction, a lot of times I will stumble across something on eBay when I'm looking for something. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll see it's an auction and I'll say, I don't want to wait for that. You know, I want to, I'll go elsewhere and I'll buy, I'll bid something like to shipping. Is that kind of like the most mindset today? Is someone like they'll see a really good deal, but it's at auction. And for, you know, a few dollars more, I can just buy it now and be done with it. Yeah, so that's important. If this is not, if you can buy it now from someone else, then it's not that rare. And yeah. now we have a now we have a balance to think of as as, as a seller. Uh, I don't want my competitor to make this sale, so I want to keep on top of the price so that I can be just under the price, either with the price or the shipping, so that a buyer who stumbles upon two in a search will pick mine as opposed to the other person's. If the item's truly rare, and you know that happens, there's still a lot of rare items on eBay. And when I say rare, I don't mean they're unique or one of a kind. Those are there too. But if they don't show up that often, I can give you a, a great example. I collect fragrance, among other things, especially old ones. Mm -hmm. And there's some fragrances that um, they just don't show up that often. And you'd be a fool not to put it up at auction because the collectors are going to come out in droves and they're going to bid it up and it's going to sell for a lot of money. I think of one in particular that I actually don't own. I'd like to have a, uh, uh, I'd like to have an example of it. It's it's by a, a, a company called Jacques Fath, and the perfume is called Iris Gris, and it's from the forties, hmm. and it sells for thousands of dollars. If oh my you, god! If you're, at a, wow. if you're at a tag sale and you find Iris Gris, and it's by Jacques Fath, even if there's just a little bit in the bottle, buy it and put it on eBay. Jeez, Some that's sucker. crazy, huh? 
<laughs> some sucker will, like me will pay a lot of money for it. So Wow. I never thought of, you know, I've said this on the show before. People, if it's out there, people will collect it no matter yeah. what. You know, it doesn't matter if it's buttons or fragrances. That's a new one for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and what about alcohol? I, I think of rare alcohol. You can't, you can't put that on eBay, right? I mean, yes, you can as long as the, what you're selling is uh, and the value is in the collectible bottle. So you can sell. This has been in place for a long time. You can sell bottles of alcohol if the if it's the bottle that's collectible and it just happens to have alcohol in it. Um, you can sell other, you can sell wine, but I think you have to provide us with a resale license. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, I mean, you, you couldn't take a six pack of Budweiser and put it up on eBay. Has that proven to be a, a slippery slope in any type of way? The bottle thing? Not really. No, you would think it might be, but, uh, no, it really hasn't. I think this started back when people were putting up cans of Billy beer Oh yeah, you know, Billy Carter. Yeah. He, uh, Jimmy Carter's uh, brother actually licensed his name to to beer, and you know those are collectible. Yeah, I, don't know. I had a you six know. pack for a while. I don't even remember what I did with it. Yeah, <laughs> you probably drank it. I, <laughs> I don't know. So, but but yeah, there's we don't see uh, we don't see much of an issue with that. No, not yeah, at all. yeah. Um, now I know firearms could never be on there. What about things that simulate firearms? Well, there are very specific rules, and they and they do change over time. So, um, uh, for the most part, firearms are not allowed. Uh, even uh, some replica or toy guns uh, that look real, they have to be sold and pictured with the orange plug in the barrel. Um, but yeah, that's that's, and every year it gets more uh, controversial. Yeah. That has been disallowed on eBay or prohibited since 1998. What about black uh, black powder and all the what they call the black powder guns? They're you know, like muskets and yeah. stuff. Like yeah, wall wall hanger muskets, things that can't be used, type of thing. I'm not absolutely sure. I have to look yeah. at the policy again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, we were talking about um, the changes, and one of them I wanted to bring up is I don't think Facebook was the last time we talked. It was either just barely going. Or yeah. or not? How has social media changed eBay? So it's interesting because uh, initially it wasn't a ch- it wasn't so much a change as an enhancement. Uh, a lot of people started using Facebook and their format to create groups around specific marketplaces or collecting interests, and uh, that was very helpful because you know uh, one of the one of the important aspects of eBay in the beginning was the idea of sellers sharing with each other best practices, tips, experiences. It uh, not only helps increase a seller's knowledge about how to how to navigate and succeed in a marketplace, but you know, selling online is pretty much a solitary affair, and this provided an, uh, an outlet, just like eBay community pages did and still do, where sellers can actually uh, communicate with each other and. Uh, and share stories and, and be social. I mean, it's perfect, perfect word for it. Uh, I think our challenge is now that the marketplaces like Facebook are starting to eat and they have their own marketplace and, uh, sellers are finding eBay as a platform where they can make like local sales. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm seeing groups, uh, pop up where sellers are selling things. They're facing the same difficulties eBay faced in 96. So they're going to have to, relearn or go through the same process we did when we started, which is if you're acting as a middleman, it doesn't matter where it is online, um, 
keeping buyers and sellers happy and keeping things legit uh, is a challenge. And uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch that kind of evolution. Now, has any – I think the other thing that social media has done is eat into eBay a little bit with, with the idea of a localized classified – so, um, you know, Facebook, I, on my Facebook page, I have a San Jose feed for their marketplace where I can see things that you, you would usually find on Craigslist or even on eBay as local pickup. And now people are utilizing the platform. There's a, there is inherent risk there. I mean, people showing up at your house, you know, what kind of payment do you do? Uh, so we're not really feeling threatened by it. But it is fascinating to watch watch this evolve and i think it's beyond just a corporate interest is it's a human interest people and i think this is probably the basis for any marketplace-based society is that human beings like to trade they have like they have enjoyed trading since the dawn of time and that has never changed so and that never will change uh one person cannot be self-sufficient in the world as much as some like to believe you still have to buy and sell stuff so um, these marketplaces uh, just enhance what I think is basically a, a human need, which is to trade with other people. Do you think Facebook is trying to get any part of that share of the market? I don't know um, anything in detail. That I, you know, I don't. I, I'm not on their. I'm not employed by them, and I'm not on their board. I don't know what goes on internally. Yeah. But my suspicion is they're testing it. They're mm. testing to see how the, how much they can do. Uh, and to the extent that it, it helps enhance their revenue stream, which is ads, um, yeah, I, I think they're, they'd be fools not to continue testing it. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't foresee I, – I wouldn't be surprised that, for example, if I showed interest and then contacted somebody about a set of chairs that I found on Facebook – I'm going to start seeing it in my Facebook feed, sets of chairs from other, you know, like retailers. Yeah. They're very, um, they're very good at that. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. As they should be, I, su- I suppose. But. Now, um, eBay doesn't, you know, with the recent, um, you know, congressional hearing and everything with Mark Zuckerberg, eBay is careful with the buyers and sellers information. I mean, yeah, I've never had anything come up like well, our questions? business model is different than Facebook. We yeah. make money on transactions. Yeah. You know, we make a, a, a little bit of money on advertising on the site. But the, the core for our income is obviously it's always been transactional. Yeah. Uh, we don't make we do not sell our users data to anyone. Uh, that's not how we make money. So that's not a, it's it's kind of a mood issue for us. Yeah. Uh, luckily, I'd hate to have that headache. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now. Uh, what about any other social medias? Has like Twitter or anything like that? Has any anyone else come into play with uh, eBay? Well, not so much Twitter. Twitter isn't really um, Twitter doesn't lend itself to being a, a marketplace of any sort. But sites like Pinterest, uh, yes. those have been really big for uh, commerce, both on eBay and off. So uh, a lot of people have found success in uh, really figuring out how to employ and utilize. Uh, Pinterest to help boost their listings because you can take any eBay listing and add it add it to one of your boards. And if you develop enough followers and you provide compelling content, it's a great way of making sales. I know that you know I've ex- I've just dabbled in this. I haven't really like done some serious uh, uh, deep dives into Pinterest as a marketplace uh, enhancement tool for my own selling on eBay. But when I list, I have like one board for Hawaiian shirts. When I list Hawaiian shirts, if I put them up on there, the ones that I put up tend to sell faster than the ones that don't. Hmm. So if your goal is to sell, you want to get your merchandise out and 
in front of as many potential customers as possible. <coughs> Pinterest is a great uh, tool for that because it's entirely visual. I stumble across images all the time on Pinterest. And so you click on the image, and that's what brings you to the eBay site? If somebody has actually linked their listing to eBay, so you can put up an eBay listing as a pin on one of your boards, and when someone clicks it, it takes them to eBay, to that listing. Yeah. So it's a way of putting your items in front of more traffic uh, the, of people who are interested in those items because they wouldn't subscribe to your particular board on Hawaiian shirts unless that was an interest to them. Or you know maybe it's autographed celebrities or it's fragrance or something like that. Or, you know, uh, you know, sixteenth uh, century uh, uh, lighting wear. You know, Pilgrim century. All that stuff. Uh, you're interested in it, you might look on Pinterest and find these boards, subscribe to them, and then when somebody pins on it, you see it, and it might be the enticement you need to then click through and find it on eBay and purchase it. Yeah. So. It would be, it, it, especially for items that are um, really visual. So I'm not talking about like electronics or, or things that are just commodity items, but if you're dealing in one of a kind art, antiques, or collectibles, not having a Pinterest account is probably really stupid you want to you want to utilize this to get more buyers to find your uh, merchandise yeah yeah all right well I, I gotta tell you um i just wondered how this happens now i but again i was looking for something for my boat i talked about my boat earlier i'm working on an older boat and i was looking for like a, a adhesive veneer to put on my dashboard mm-hmm. um so i found some and it was like a small roll of it. It was like fourteen ninety nine or something like that. Buy it now. So I bought it now, and it took forever to get here. And then I clicked, like, what, what's going on? And I see it was coming from China, mm, and I didn't yeah. realize that. So I buy something for only that much money. They ship it all the way over to here. How can they possibly make money? And I wonder that a lot of times when I'm looking on eBay and see really low buy it now prices, free shipping. How do they make money? The Chinese government subsidizes their shipping. <laughs> Are you serious? No, that's true. It's it's a well known fact. So they actually uh, they make arrangements with their shipping companies to um, subsidize that cost. Um, the Chinese are, you know, for a country that started out in the forties as communist, these are the fiercest marketplace players I've ever seen. They are. They're good at what they do. Wow. So uh, that's part of the value proposition. Now, that listing should have had an indication of how quick it, or how long it would take to be delivered. It probably so, did, and I probably didn't look at it. Yeah. yeah. So you want to you want to pay a lot of attention to the, uh, the delivery estimate window because that will indicate to you if this, the item location is supposed to say where it is, like, for example, China. And then the delivery window. Not, not everything that's listed by Chinese sellers takes forever to get here. Some items take are, are pretty quick. But if you need something fast and you you can find it lo- um, you know uh, nearer to you, then uh, if that's the if that's the factor that is most important is getting it quickly, then uh, you know you want to pay attention to those delivery windows. eBay's uh, just introduced a couple months ago a feature called guaranteed delivery. Not all listings qualify, but we're adding more and more seller's inventory as time goes on. So if I know I need something and I want it guaranteed to arrive here in three days, I can toggle all the search results. And the only ones that will show up are the ones that are going to take three days or less to get to my location based on their shipping shipping pledge. You know, they, they ship in one day. Uh, this 
for example, for, for folks who may not want to see all the merchandise that's being offered from outside the United States, you know, whether it's China or anywhere else, this, this guaranteed delivery tag just filters all of them out. That's really smart. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I do, I guess now's a good time to talk about your book. And basically what I wanted to ask you is, say one of my listeners um, have, has never used eBay and they're considering it. Um, where would you say for them to start? Are there actually tutorials that they can watch, video tutorials? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is, unless you're collecting it, don't buy my book. I know you never hear an author say this. The eBay Bible last edition was 2007. It's totally out of date. So unless, <laughs> unless you're looking for a historical record that, of how eBay used to be, and there's some interesting stories, you know, buy a copy for three bucks, but don't use it as a guide for selling on eBay. You know, it's way out of date. Wow, that's great. Uh, yeah, and um, it's uh, we're not going to update it. So uh, you can find a lot of tutorials on eBay. Uh, we're in the process of building more and more. Uh, if you're a first-time seller and you're looking to establish a regular presence as a business on eBay, there's Seller Central, which is a uh, uh, a link on the bottom of any eBay page that has lots of great information. Uh, we have an eBay for Business blog that's also available if you if you click on the community link. There's a whole area for for reaching that, and then the eBay for Business page on Facebook is also a really good place to look for tutorials and advice. And if you're really pressed, uh, what I've been telling people, if you're if, whether you're new or experienced. One of the best things you can do is to find a local meetup group in your area of eBay sellers that meets on a regular basis. Uh, for example, there there's one in New Hampshire that uh, covers most of that area of New England, and I've visited it several times. Uh, but you can find uh, meetup groups across the country at meetup.com. And the, mm. these are a wonderful resource because not only do you get to meet with them once a week, you know what? Like I said, it's a solitary concern. A lot of people don't get a chance to socialize. This is a way of spending an evening with like-minded people who are in the same boat you are. You can share tips and advice and sob stories and war stories and the one that got away. There are lots of fun. You can meet people, and you can also um, uh, contact a lot of the folks that you meet outside of the meetup and share advice that way. We're, we have a program inside of eBay that's being headed up right now by Brian Burke. He's been at eBay for years, where we're actively pro, um, looking for ways to provide content and support to these meetup groups who actually meet on a regular basis. Uh, for example, there's one in the Bay Area that we, we provide room in our campus the last Tuesday of every, of every month, and we provide employees to talk about different subjects, about selling, about new products. And we're um, now going to start videoing a lot of that content and making it available to other meetups uh, and online as well. So there is, a, there is a rather extensive and varied help network for anyone who wants to learn how to sell on eBay. And if you're still at a loss, I give my email address out to everyone. It's still griffithebay.com. Uh, I'm still employed at eBay. So uh, feel free to <laughs> mail me anytime and i'm happy to answer questions great so uh i want to kind of wrap this up on a couple of what i think might be kind of fun topics and that is can you tell us any type of details about the most affluent seller and i don't mean price wise i mean who has like the most things they've sold on ebay do you know anything 
about well, that? Well, I don't actually, because there used to be easy to do that when there was a small pool of sellers who were like, uh, you know, like uh, E Four City in L.A. You know, they were the first people to meet a hundred feed, hundred a uh, one million feedback. That was ten years ago. Wow. Um, what is still possible and has been possible from the beginning is that if you're determined and you're willing to learn and you have some business savvy, uh, or if you don't, you're willing to learn how to become more business savvy, it is still possible to start from scratch with just a few listings on eBay and build it into a business. It's not easy. I'm never going to lead anyone to believe this is a get-rich-quick scheme. It takes a lot of work. Selling on eBay is a lot of hard work, but it can be very fulfilling. You're your own boss, and if you can find a sweet spot with a product line or a niche, you can really shine and make a lot of money uh, for your business selling online, and we recommend ebay so yeah it's still possible yes uh what would you you just mentioned the word niche what would you uh consider a really unusual niche that kind of surprises you that is so um so active well you've caught me off guard um there's so many right now uh You know, I can't think of anything. I'm trying to because everything that was once a niche, if it's successful, eventually becomes a popular category, and just about everything you can think of has uh, has now been taken. I'll tell you one that I keep thinking about, and if I had more time, I think I'd pursue. So there's a ongoing, um, I want to say, complaint among sellers of clothing and fashion and apparel that sellers uh, or buyers like to buy things, use them, and then return them. Mm. And this drives some sellers crazy, uh, especially sellers of new clothing. But uh, that you can handle with a restocking fee. If somebody buys an item in package or takes the tag off, you, you're entitled to charge uh, take some of the refund back as a restocking fee for mitigating the loss that the, you take for the item's reduced value. But I've always thought, wait a minute, why fight this? If there are buyers out there who just need something for the weekend, why not make it so that you can buy something on eBay? There is a there's a stated return fee. Or, you know, it's going to cost you uh, 15, 20% of the price uh, if you ship it back. But I'm happy to take it back and maybe maybe turn it into a, a, a clothing rental business. You <laughs> can complain and fight. There's buyers who may – obviously, there's some amount of buyers out there. I, I don't run into them, but there's some amount of buyers out there, and I suspect this is more uh, uh, women's apparel than men's, who buy a dress, wear it for the weekend. It was pre-owned, and then they, re- they want to return it. How can I turn that into a profitable business? I, can, I don't have to repurchase that item over and over. I just say send it back. You know, it's, 20, it's a 20% rental fee for the weekend, and now I can relist it and let someone else have it. I can keep making money off that single piece of apparel till it falls apart. Isn't that <laughs> something? I think there's a rental niche out there that no one's taking advantage of. Yeah. Someone do it before I do. <laughs> that is really something. That is really something. Now, in recent memory, what would you consider, or I don't even know if you follow this, the most expensive item that went through was it a car or was it uh, something else? Well, for you, so for years it was um, it was a uh, a jet, and I, I think oh, it was a Learjet, wow. and you know it sold for I forget what the it was millions of dollars, and I'm getting old, so I, this stuff doesn't <laughs> stick around as much. I'm pretty sure that record somehow may have been uh, preempted by something else, but if it was, it would have been. Something like an airplane or a yacht, and there may maybe that's what it is. But yeah, I, uh, 
it would be like a a, a high end vehicle like that. Uh, but we, you know, I, I think that we've done it in the last ten years. As the volume of stuff is sold on eBay, we've stopped paying attention to things like, well, this is the most expensive thing ever sold on eBay. It's just evolved away from being that kind of marketplace. So off the top of my head, I, I really don't know. What I do get, which is very interesting, is I get a report every morning from there's a guy who set up his server uh, to take all the items that sold the previous day and then rank them as the highest. So there's a filter. You know, It's not every item, but it's the ones that brought a lot of money. And there's still things like Rolex watches, uh, really expensive luxury cars, uh, collectible guitars, and musical gear. Those things are still showing up at the top of the list as the most expensive items that sell on a regular basis on eBay. Wow. Now, has there been any regrets on eBay getting out of the live auction business, or was that that just too much to handle? That that was many years ago. Well, for me, personally, it was a huge regret. I love those. Uh, but you know they're back, yeah. right? Martin, are no. you not paying attention? <laughs> live, we reintroduced live auctions on eBay back uh, a year or so ago. I had not known that. I know of the two, you know, live auctioneers kind of took over from from there. And they're doing they're doing well, I hear. Yeah. yeah, they are. And then there's uh there's I think there's nine auction platforms in total, but invaluable and live auctioneers are the two big ones. But I, eBay's back at it. That's one. Yeah, that's so- amazing. So you'll you'll find them. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of um, auction. So when it comes to New England, I know that. Um, oh, and I'm having another brain moment. You said you know, auction zip. Did I hear? No, it's oh. our own platform. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's not. You know, before it was live auctioneers. We platform. Yeah. We we partner with them. Um, who is the auctioneer on the Cape that does all the uh, na- uh, nautical stuff? They're hit- yeah. Um, I know who you mean. Been Their doing it for years and years and years. Uh, I know their, their their stuff shows up. There's uh, auctioneers across the auction houses across the country that are use, utilizing the new platform. Um, it's been much improved. So over time, technology has improved. So you can submit a bid in advance, or you can uh, live bid during the auction. But no, they've they've returned. Wow, how about that? And wow, and they're and they're in the inventory, so you'll see them. I know that I still look for antiques, and I still find these. You know, you have to register to you know be approved to bid, and yeah. then you can submit a bid before or during the live auction itself. Wow, amazing! Well, it's been a lot of fun. It's really good to see you again, and same here. It's uh, yeah, it's been great. Thanks so much. My pleasure, Martin. All right, we'll have to have you back on again sometime. Anytime, happy right. to help. All right, take care. See you later. Bye. All right, everyone, so that's it, and uh, please uh, keep in mind we'll run these uh, podcasts uh, when we can. Uh, We have a couple lined up, and we'll be back, uh, I think, within a couple of weeks, possibly talking about uh, um, a major artist, uh, Thomas Hart Benton, uh, the guy who is uh, writing that catalog resume. Hope to have him on within uh, the next few weeks. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next time.